Hi, Mike. Hey, guys. Hi, Chris. Hi, Bob. Chris, hi. Mike. Hi, Rob. Nate. Hi, everyone. Isn't this fun? We get to join and talk <laughs> and, to, uh, and to the three three people out there who are watching. <laughs> hi to you too. No, hi, actually, Mom. there's currently zero people. Oh. Zero people watching. <laughs> yeah, why don't why don't podcasters promo their podcasts more? Um, well, for me it's because um one, the real reason is laziness. Um, I guess. Ah. Um the second reason would oh, then be shorty that heard you, that. I can't even uh yeah, right. Uh the second reason is because you guys don't let me know if you're gonna be on the podcast until two minutes before. So what am I promoting? Make it make it topical. Nobody's coming on to see any of us. I, I'm sure that it should be more know. about the I, topics than the people, unless you have know. a special guest. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm only here because Chris is here. <laughs> yeah, Chris looks like he's in witness protection. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of does, doesn't he? <laughs> I felt like I felt like the first time I talked to you, Chris, you had like this beautiful beach in the background, and now you have this lamp. What's yeah. Up with that? Uh, uh, I must. Oh uh, yeah, I must have forgot to put the filter on today. Sorry. <laughs> come on, come on, Chris. Always good you're, to be here. You're on a professional podcast now. You need to start acting like it, all right? That's right. Step up. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Well, hi, everyone. We're here. We're going to talk some more pool. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Uh, what should we start with? We got to start with Spain, right? How oh, about yeah. uh, do we want to talk it. about it? You want to talk about domination? Like Spain looked different that entire event. Yeah, they, I think clearly they were, and I think a lot of people kind of predicted it. That they, they were the team to beat right from the start. Someone was going to have to play really well to beat Spain because you got two guys who are really, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders individually, have played together a lot of years as, as a pair, have practiced a lot together, are best friends. Um, and I think people undervalue uh, too many people undervalue what that means in in something like the World Cup of Pool. It certainly doesn't hurt, does it? Yeah, well, Chris, what do you think? And, and just a, they're just an unbelievable pairing, really. I mean, I think that I think uh, on the commentary they said that was the sixth time they played together. It's kind of amazing they haven't won before. Um, you know, or been close. I don't. You know, I don't know that they've ever made a semi. Court final, I think. Uh, I think they said in the commentary, but you know, the chemistry they've got. They practice together all the time you know they're like brothers you know they do everything together when you see them at tournaments there's you know you very rarely see one of them on their own um so yeah they've just got something that uh, maybe albin and mario had maybe shane and sky kind of have but i'm not sure other than carl and darren any other partnerships really had on chemistry together well, brothers, yeah. yeah, the co the co brothers are right there. Uh, and realistic, and realistically, I mean, if you look at the the, the top four teams, um, even Singapore, I mean, yeah. that's uh, that's a, a a teacher student relationship that's gone oh, yeah. on for a lot of years, a lot of practice together, a lot of time together. So you look at those, you know, top four teams, and and you can see where it clearly made a difference. Um, yeah, in the partners, you, know, you can see the feed one one player feeding off the other, the success of the other player. And you really feel that from a, a fan's perspective, watching it. You can yeah. sense that and, and you get a, you know, you get a taste for 
for how you can uh, spur your partner on uh, with your good play. One one person's good play makes the other person play good. Yeah. Well, pretty exciting. Pretty darn exciting. That one rack. I've never seen a rack so spectacular was the opening rack. I think it was the match before that in one of the semis uh, with uh, the uh, uh, Taipei, I think, against Spain. Uh, but didn't that end up 9-8, I believe? No, Taipei against uh, uh, Spain was, I thought, 9-6, Oh, One of those. Yeah, okay, anyhow, somewhere, somewhere between 1-8. Started yeah, out between zero and there zero was and eight, yeah. there was twelve shots nine taken, and they weren't yeah, on the two four. ball yet. Yeah, in that nine ball rack. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was just it was totally incredible how many safeties they played, and then on the two ball they played a bunch of safeties. Yeah. Uh, it's great to see that side of it though, especially it is than that. You know, it's such a different spectacle really to everything else. Running racks and stuff is great. Uh, exactly. But, yeah. Thought process and talking it through as well. You could hit fair enough, you know, when they're talking a foreign language, you can't really hear anything. But some of the other games with the English speaking teams listening to them, you know, talk to each other, convince each other the right shot to play. You know, it's yeah. interesting. And I love the commentary during that too, because that helped, even though we couldn't understand the language so much, is yeah. uh, the explanation of, uh, you know, kind of what they were talking about. We, we as pool players, of course, know what they're talking about. But a lot of the people watching it maybe didn't exactly get it. You know, the different choices you have to make. Uh, you want to be offensive or you want to be defensive here. And, and they were always going defensive. It was fun. It was really fun. My favorite was uh, when Germany was playing and Raleigh Williams is like, well, I think I understood that word. And that, I think that one was English. So I, I think I know what two of those words were. <laughs> That was pretty funny. <laughs> no idea what they're talking about, but he's just trying to like parse it up into like little segments to try to understand uh, those little things. It's fun. It was interesting. Um, the Spanish. The thing about the Spanish is they they speak so fast that you know some guys were talking about, or it sounds like they do, right? I mean, you're listening yeah. to them converse, and you're like. Man, they got their life story in during the thirty-second <laughs> shot clock. <laughs> you know, was, but that's they pretty really, much the Spanish language itself. Yeah, they they uh, but they knew you know they knew each other. There's a, there were a lot of racks where they didn't say anything to each other, and some racks where they felt the need to discuss things a little bit more, and that was interesting to see. Yeah, I think uh, I guess my favorite part uh, going into the finals, I pulled up like one of those graphics, and it's like missed balls. And going into the final, Spain had missed seven balls the entire tournament. <laughs> the whole and tournament. Singapore, and Singapore had missed like 20-something. It was like 28 oh, at, or something. At like that. least. Singapore Singapore was lucky to get through a couple of those early matches. They were. Yes. Um, Singapore was and, very lucky to make it through Qatar. I mean, their, their opening match. Because, I, I mean, do you want to talk about two people that, like, I know that's, um, oh, and I'm, uh, Waleed Majid, is, he's a great player. But his partner did not look like he had any idea what was going on, and even to the to the point where I think Waleed, by the end of the match, was looking about as bad as as he could possibly look to it. And still, Singapore barely snuck. But I, I say barely; they won seven to three. But if you watch that match, either team could have won seven to one. Right. Uh, right. And what about the uh, Swiss team? 
you know, you talk about a, a team that you don't expect maybe at the beginning to be there at the end of the tournament. Uh, wow, that was I. I didn't know who these two players were. Uh, Chris, do you oh, they're know good. Them? They're a good team. Yeah, they're a good team. They're, they're well-known players in Europe. Both they them. are, huh? Yeah, yeah very good. Yeah. For, okay. Wait, sorry, which team? The Swiss team. Swiss. Oh, I, I, I picked them to go deep in. I picked them to go deep in those two matches. Oh okay. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Dimitri's really good. Uh, Regularly played really well. You know, there was that one match where they broke like absolute, you know, shame right. monsters, um, and played really well and really confident. So yeah, it was good to see them make a nice run. Oh, it was. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Not not knowing them or seeing them play before, it was that was fun for me. Yeah, yeah, really good, good group. Yeah. So, um, uh, who I else guess stood what, out? Yeah, who else stood out? Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I I really, I mean, I thought uh, Singapore obviously had to stand out. I mean, I know they lost in the finals, but um, you know, I I think you could run. I, I think you could ask a lot of people. Um, how deep they had Singapore going, and <laughs> yeah. I don't. Too think, far. I don't. I don't think too many people had them past Kuwait. Um, yeah. Certainly not past uh, Austria. Afterwards, if you know, if right. Austria got to that point, is Austria the biggest disappointment of it, of the event? Uh, Germany's got to be up there, right? Yeah, Germany. Mean, you know, uh, Germany uh, did win one match. Austria won zero. one match, right? Um, uh, yeah, those were probably the two biggest surprises, Germany and Austria, because both were heavily favored to get out of their bracket. Uh, uh, the two Great they, Britain teams. Yeah. Uh, well, well, Great I, I would say Great Britain B actually had a pretty good tournament. They did. Well, they did. Well, they they had a good match against Great Britain A, yep. and then yeah, they played South Africa, South, which yeah. was you know that South Africa was coming off that big win over who Thailand. Um, yeah, right. so, uh, so yeah, but, but they did play, they did play well in spurts, uh, Great Britain B. It was nice to see Chris and, and, um, uh, Imran, you know, have some fun there and, and, and play hard and, you know, would have never guessed they were going to shut out Jason and, and Elliot. That was, that was a rough, that was a rough start for Jason and Elliot. Well, it put Jason into, uh, a nice little six month retirement. It looked like. <laughs> 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 yeah, the wheels came off in a hurry, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I don't think he was too pleased when that tournament ended. Well, uh, let, let me ask you guys this question: how much, how much of Jason's hiatus is uh, due to a seven-zero beatdown, and how much of it is due to him just actually needing the time away? What do you think? Time away, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I'd, exactly. I'd have to say too, after all the hype about his straight pool uh, run and 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 that kind of stress. That, that creates uh yeah i'd have to say yeah he needs a time off for sure yeah well he's he's competed a lot recently and i, yep. I think the fact that his whole family was over there with them is a pretty good indicator that he wasn't going directly home after that event either way or to another sure. event so so i think he kind of had a hiatus planned i think that just he just wasn't he just left a couple of days earlier than he probably thought he was going to be leaving <laughs> yeah. um but uh, you know, and it's it's good. You need to you need to unwind and and get away from the game. Everybody does it a little bit differently. Um, you know, Shane's got his fish, and uh, yeah. the Filipinos so go home. Sure. Filipinos go home and gamble, and you know that's and Nate, you go to the gym, right? <laughs> yeah, and cuddle with cats. 
And then, yeah, then there's the cat cuddling. Yeah, of course. Yeah. She's nice very look. happy to be cuddled. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, go back to sleep. Uh, so, uh, for, oh, yeah, Chris, you want to move to Morocco with me? Morocco? Yeah. I don't think I'd fare very well over there. I've been. you'll be in you'll be in the pool room all day anyway so nate's nate's looking for you guys to be the moroccan team for 2023 (laughs) one of one of their players is a uh i think he says a five a 575 fargo yes and then the other one the other one doesn't have a fargo so i I think if we go over there we got a chance you know maybe 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 it was the lags that did it for me i kind of i was watching it and when he lagged i thought oh no i kind of i was I was embarrassed for him. I felt bad for him. I was just, oh, no. I didn't see it. Where did it go? Halfway down the table? or? It, it, well, it, came, it started coming back up the table, but not very oh. far. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Maybe he thought it was lagging to one end. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. Okay, uh, I got to go back and look at that because I didn't I didn't actually see the lag. Of no, the I didn't just... see it either. <laughs> the two snooker players from Thailand looked a little helpless as well. Yeah. I yeah. will say that they looked like they were having fun with it, though. And there's a difference between having well, fun... Yeah. And getting your butt kicked and like looking miserable and getting your butt kicked like oh, yeah. the, the taiwanese <laughs> knew what they were doing or not the taiwanese the uh the um thai players that's yeah the thai players they knew they knew that they were a last second fill and i'm sure they weren't preparing sure. a bunch because they weren't expecting to get in there and you know they look like they were like the guy the guy misses that uh that was it the five ball or the seven ball into the bottom left corner and he just like looks up and goes <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like you know, you just had fun with it. And I, I think it's yeah. um, I mean, it was a lot like Kelly and Allison last year. I think, you know, they were they were just having fun. Kelly and Allison could really do some damage though. But the two, you know, the Thai guys, they um, yeah, they were right. up against it. What was interesting was after a couple of racks, they um, somebody must have lent them pool cues. But after a couple of racks, they put the pool cues down and pulled the snooker cues out and started playing oh. with them. Yeah, they uh, did. Which is interesting, yeah. but for oh, those cool, two guys, that? you know, it's uh, it's the off season for snooker. Those two guys yeah. have been paid, you know, two thousand dollars each or whatever just for turning up. Yeah, played one game, whatever. Yeah. Fair play to, and they would have brought a lot, a lot of eyes to the tournament, which is great. Oh, sure. oh I'll guarantee you. Of... I mean, it's basically a free it's it's basically a free vacation to to London, right? Well, they I think yeah. they live in Sheffield or something anyway. So yeah, right. I'll do that so, right. right. distance. Yeah. This the ones this that I felt event... the worst. Good. Uh, the, the whole event reminded me a lot of the Moscone Cup. Uh, I, I, I felt a lot of the same pressure that I felt during that. And, uh, and then the partners play. Uh, that's yeah. the, really the only other place we see that partners playing. It's in the Moscone Cup. And, and that's so exciting to me. I just love that. Mm-hmm. The guys I felt most for were the guys from New Zealand and Australia who flew 12,000 miles. <laughs> yeah. And turn around and went home the next day. That's oh. a rough. That's that's a rough roll, pretty much. What? Well, what what I want to know is why is Australia doesn't even have their best player on their team? They've got a few good players out there, and they never have their best pairing together. Now, I wouldn't want to say what the best pairing is at the moment, but I've well, the got best player is pretty clearly Justin Sanchez, right? Justin Sanchez, yeah. But then there's a couple of Sanchez. other pretty good, a couple of other pretty good players out there. And they never seem to get their um, their best team together. We have the same thing in the English eight ball, you know, uh, the World Championships in England every year. Australia never bring their strongest team. They always get five or six out of their strongest ten, but they never really get their strongest ten. Why so is it's that? just the same thing with traveling? Huh. 
they just don't want to travel that far or I just think they... get, getting 10 people to commit to travel three quarters of the way around the world all within the same week is kind of logistically that's a bit of a nightmare i think mm. um yeah. so i think they're probably suffering from the same thing with the nine ball uh, english eight balls getting uh, quite a bit bigger now in in australia so they've set up something called the I can't remember. It's the Pro Something series or something. So they've got kind of eight or ten of the best guys in Australia playing that. A couple of those guys would probably be playing the nine ball, maybe. So you know, a lot of stuff going on out there for them as well. So maybe a couple of distractions. Okay, uh, Bob, you mentioned the Moscone Cup, and let me throw this out there. <clears throat> Alex, does Alex Laley have to pick Sanchez and and Alcade? If if one of them gets in automatically, does he? need to take the other i mean is that not a smart move i yeah i, I say yes yeah he, he pretty much does after this after the well, World you're, not, Cup. you're not saying no to joshua is going to be in no matter what you can't say no to him and how can you not have the two-time reigning mvp and jason right. shaw no, jason no shaw. yeah there's no four so then, so if sanchez ruiz gets in on points which we think he probably will. Which you, which we think he probably will. Would it not be really smart to have David in as well? I mean, David's close to earning it, you know, individually yeah. as as well. Yeah. And and you've got that advantage of them playing together. Although you know they, they can only team up once, right? So there's, um, a, yeah. so there's, there's only a... one doubles match they can play in together. Uh, oh, okay. So is you know, just wondered what the thoughts were on that. What do you think, Chris? I think that if you wanted to create the best overall team chemistry and atmosphere, having David and FSR in the same team is going to be, you know, that's half the that's half the problem solved. Really, I think that would be great if they can get both of them in. Well, Although, oof, okay, well, let's let's bring this into context, right? Because we think okay. that FSR and Albin Ocean and Joshua Filler are probably going to be the three, right? Probably. Yes. Yeah. So, so then you're coming down to um, you're going to end up coming down to basically uh, two wild cards. Is anybody going to argue that you're not going to pick Jason with one of them? No, I mean I would assume Alex would. Yeah. So, so you have one spot left. Who do you pick? Filler, right? Well, well, he, well, no, he he should get it. You're assuming filler. You're assuming well, filler. Assuming filler and Alvin. Yeah. Okay. And and Francisco Sanchez Ruiz. Okay, sorry. If you yeah. assume those three are on points. With with the news that came out this week, which we can kind of jump into slightly here, you got a wild card. Do you want to take David or do you want to take Fedor? I take oh. David all day right now. I don't know that I do. I think I'd take Fedor. I don't know. I I mean Fedor's gotta do something. Uh you know, he's gotta yeah, do that's something. That's what I mean. He he didn't... He didn't get picked a year ago, uh, and he was playing all year, right? Well, now you, you have you know now, you, now you have a year you, where he hasn't even played. Well, he you're has not, played, right? Gonna, well, yeah, we know I mean, that he has played. Yeah, he, he hasn't. He hasn't lost a tournament in three months. <laughs> okay, can, well, can, can Fedor play in any of the matchroom events between now and Moscone? It sounds well. It's possible. It's, it's speculation, possible. but what it sounds like is that he's going to be able to potentially play the U.S. Open possibly the european open and all the rest of the events the rest of the year so the international stuff like that yeah yeah um and turning stone um any any other thing that you know it, it's not it would not be impossible to for him to actually go through 
and get into the top 10. You know, when you're looking at uh, Oliver Shalnaki is in 10th place right now with 15,790. I don't yeah. see a reason why he wouldn't be in the top 10 and he's only played half the season. How can you not give him a serious look? No, it's, it's, I'm sure he'll get a serious, I'm sure he would get a serious look. Um, I just, I just wonder, you know, trying to think and put myself in Alex's shoes and I'm looking at team chemistry and I'm looking at who's played the whole year and I'm looking at who's earned their spots and I'm looking at things like that. Um, you know, it would be hard for me, unless Federer goes off and, and wins two out of the three, you know, majors that he plays in the rest of the year. Uh, he wins one, then, I think he has to be in. If he, if he played, if he, if he, if he won the U.S. Open or the European Championship, like there's no way that I, so you're looking at it like from like a chemistry and I'm looking at it from Alex's viewpoint of which is the best team. And okay. So if you, if you want the best player, nobody's going to argue that Fedor or that David is a better player than Fedor, right? But we haven't seen Fedor in action, but if they play tomorrow, race a hundred and eight ball, nine ball, 10 ball, who here is going to take David? Nobody. I, I, I don't mind David there. Honestly, I, don't, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's class. Honestly, I think yeah. he's just getting stronger I, and stronger. Yeah, not he saying is. his high gear, Fedor's high gear might be higher, but I'm just saying, I don't think, I don't think anybody walks over Al Cade ever or anything. I just yeah. don't see it. You're not, you're well, not giving up soon. You're not giving up a lot. You're not giving playing. up a lot in a race to five Moscone. No, right. no, I agree with that. But, but I also don't think that you're giving up a lot chemistry wise by picking Fedor over David. Who doesn't like Fedor? And who doesn't? Who isn't going to be able to pair? So you're you're picking David because of the that individual one pairing that he could play with FSR. But does David match? I mean, David's English is it's good, it's fine, but it's you know it it is there going? You know, when you're on a thirty second shot clock, that language barrier can be. It can be, uh, but we're not talking thing. about you know they can only get paid they can only get paired together once, but the team are together. That's what I'm for, saying. I know, but the, the team are together for an entire week. You know, sure. I, I think there's so I'd imagine from playing other sports that the team side of this away from the arena is huge. It must be. We've all heard the stories about Moscone Cup losing teams that have had terrible chemistry. And yeah. I don't think you might not be able to win it with good chemistry, but you can definitely lose it with bad chemistry. Oh, I agree with that. Ah, but but what I'm saying is, point. are you are you going to get bad chemistry by having Fedor instead of no, David? No. I, I don't think that no. – so what you're saying is you don't see how you're giving up a lot by taking David uh, skill-wise, and I don't see how you're gi giving up much chemistry by having Fedor. Every yeah, single true. one of those guys like the guy. He, they, I mean, yeah, who yeah. doesn't like Fedor? Yeah. And so so if you're going to pick David, David and FSR literally for their individual pairing and how they mesh together, uh, they still have to play five more matches. And those other five matches – I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that a Fedor and FSR is going to be a, a significantly worse pairing than David and FSR. And no. then I think that you're gaining a little bit with uh, Fedor and Jason or Josh as opposed to David. Not much, but like you said, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think either of these two are bad options. And I think, given the situation that Fedor has right now, with that, without being able to play, and then going on and literally winning every single tournament against, you know second tier players but we'll see what happens when he comes back and he plays against the elite if he snaps off the u.s open i don't see how you can't have him on there yeah, i agree what do you guys think about uh, the Finns' performance uh in the in the event i was pretty impressed by their play i hadn't the, seen uh, the other guy before but yeah they were good you know yeah, i mean I, I, mika missed that 
nine ball that one game that that certainly was difficult for him. That was pretty straight in a pretty straight in shot on the nine. Uh, he's not going to miss that very often. Yeah, no, it was fun yeah. to watch. I mean, I thought he did. It was, they paired together really well. It's fun, it's been fun the past year or so to watch Mika play strong oh. again because he's so much fun to watch. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, you know they, you know the, the, this yeah, Yanni or what he played with played really well. Then you get this fourteen-year-old Finn that showed up at a couple of tournaments and and surprised a few people. So <laughs> you got a couple of young there. Finns up there. You know, you know, you pair them with Mika over the next couple of years to to get some seasoning in them. And then you put the two young guys together. Finland could have a couple strong, you know, could have a strong team and some strong players going forward. Yeah. How much, yeah. how much fun would that be next? I believe Mika Eminen is 49 years old right now. Okay. Mike mm, could be right around there. He's 48 or 49. I know that. How much fun would it be if Mika and uh, the 14 year old kid paired up next to you? They got a, <laughs> They got a 50-year-old and a 15-year-old. How much fun would that be? Wasn't a whole hell of a lot different than watching Singapore this year with a 50-year-old and how old is Yep now? Yeah, yeah, with Han. Yeah. yeah, 22, 23. But <laughs> but 22 is infinitely different than 15. I mean, that's like Well, of course, of course. But yeah, still yeah. you're talking about, you know, pretty pretty, you know, pretty distant, you know, difference age-wise. But yeah. I think that would I think that would be fantastic. I mean, for a marketing standpoint, like how how can you have anything better than a 50-year-old and a 15 year old that's like yeah and they're both cool. you know they're both playing top pool i mean that that 15 year old kid's probably he's probably giving me the three out right now you know i'll tell you that that elder statesman of the singapore team uh he although he, he did miss a few he 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 was loaded for the pressure shots he he, he pocketed many 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 nine balls that were yeah. right on the edge of you know i mean they were missable shots and he was right there Nerves of steel. I, I was really impressed with his play. Yeah, he played well. He's a he's a really 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 nice guy too. I and uh, at Michigan last year for the Predator stop, I went out uh, and got dinner with uh, Sharik Sayad, Aloysius, and him, and uh, oh. just went to I think at Applebee's or something like that, and just sat down and talked with them. They're super super nice guys, all of them. Very humble, very down to earth. Just yeah, they just want to play pool and have fun. It's yeah, good good people. Uh, I guess I don't know. Is, is there any other storylines uh, from the World Cup of Pool that you guys thought was interesting? Well, I, I, I was so impressed with that final bank shot, and then of course the combination in the last rack. I mean, that was that was nice. I mean, you knew he was. I pretty much figured he was going to make that, but, but the bank shot. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the the rack before that, I think, or close to there. With I mean, all the all your your entire family set of jewels. Are resting on the table on that shot, you know, from one short rail to the other end of the table, in the middle of the table, back in the right hand corner. I'm going, come on! And it reminded me of David's bank shot on that big tournament yeah. that he won. And I'm like, oh, how cool! Yeah, that was good. They made, yeah, they closed out, they closed everything out with two pretty, pretty entertaining shots. The carom <laughs> on the nine was 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 a pretty nice shot. Um, how long well, do you guys so. think it'll take? How long do you guys think it'll take to get a golden break as a deciding game in one of these major events? I think they're going to change the break soon, so I think it's going to take even longer. <laughs> oh, do, you? <laughs> do you think so? I think so How yeah. are they going to change it? Nine, nine on the spot. spot. Oh, the nine on the spot. Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah I think so. Get those guys yeah. driving the cue ball to the side rail. 
I don't, I don't see why they have to do that. I mean, you can talk about how easy the break is, but, and of course you have, to be honest, you have a lot of ball bangers that are honestly in that tournament. Um, you know, there's a reason I want to move to Morocco, right? Uh, you know, there's some players that, that, that are not probably on that level, but I think the, uh, the, the dry break percentage was, I think it was at like 15% and it was, it was relatively high. a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, what are you trying do, to get it to? Are you trying to get it to 50%? Do we 60%? have a, a stat on the uh, scratching on the break? Because when the one's on the spot, there, I see more scratches on the break than when the night yeah. is on the spot. Yeah, because you're driving you into should. the side rail and it comes back across to the other yeah. middle pocket, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. or, or yeah. it gets kicked in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a harder break, right? You got to do that cut break and you got to kind of hit it with right. low, low outside spin to uh to get that that action on the one ball. Cuz that does that changes the little bit of momentum when you see these teams scratching on the break. Well, uh, Jason uh what well, was it um Jason uh, Elliot, yeah, the won, Elliot won the lag and yeah. Jason went up there and fired the the cue ball right into the side pocket. It didn't get kicked in. It went straight yeah. into the heart of the side pocket. Yeah. I mean I mean if you want to talk about I bet that really the nine ball break is not that hard like that. You should never, ever be scratching. You're unless not you get hitting it in. the way you, you want to if in. you do. That's right. that, break is, that, that break is not that hard. I, yeah. I agree nice that the nine on the spot, you should, unless you get kicked in, you can't do anything about getting kicked in, but you should not be, your cue ball should never be going dead straight into the heart of the pocket off the, off the rack. No, yeah. and he's trying you to, know, you know, he's, go, go ahead, Chris. He's trying to give it, you know, what we did see in that tournament was the marquee players, Shane, FSR, David, and Jason with that one break, you know, those types of guys, they're not trying for the medium pace break, which you can no. do with the one on the spot. Those guys are going for the big bang, enormous breaks, which is great to see. Jason was obviously going for that, you know, he was going to give it as much as he could and he's he's lost control, but... Yeah. yeah, I yeah, thought, we did see you know, Shane on the break lose control with the cue ball going toward the racking end of the of the table on, on quite a few shots rather mm -hmm. than, you know, stopping it in the center of the table or bringing it back a little bit, that he'd lose it forward. Uh, you know, it looked like almost overpower the cue ball, the spin on the cue ball. And uh, uh, I saw that a few times. I was surprised by that. Uh, when when Shane did it, you know the other players. If they do it once in a while, I, I didn't see it as often. With Spain, I rarely saw it. I saw that cue ball being parked right in the middle of the table with both of the Spanish players, routinely. Yeah, well, yeah, and then I guess to the the changing the break thing. Um, how many? What was the biggest package that we saw ran? Four. Did Singapore did Singapore run six or did they win six straight? I didn't watch they, that match. I know they won five straight uh, okay. and I think ran four. Um, four break and runs. I don't know. I don't. I didn't see any other team that that topped four that I can think of. Yeah. So we're we're complaining like so much about like the break and how easy it is and but nobody's ever broken ran a set. I mean, nobody. Generally speaking, you don't run more than four or five. Yeah. It's too much of a leveler between the top players and the bottom players. That break, it's too much of a scale isn't, evener. Isn't that? Isn't that what? We, I mean, jo but Joshua why? Filler, but, but Joshua what, Filler is still winning every tournament, right? Yeah, no, no, but you know, that, and that's 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 fair enough. But there's a whole ranking list to consider there. You know, right. there's, there's 150 or 200 people on there. But why make the pockets tighter if you're going to make the break easier? Why try and make the game harder but leave the break 
just just Easy. happen. Yeah. Something's going to fly in. Yeah. So it's the, I think it's just a logical way to go is to make the break harder. I, you know, I get the idea of that, but I I just don't see how the break is leading to insane amounts of scoring opportunities. Like it's not like people are breaking and running sixes and sevens regularly. The big upsets. They're breaking and running twos and threes. I think the big upsets in the last few tournaments where that break's been used, the big massive upsets, it's it's break related, right? So well, well then then I got to ask you this question: Do we just never? Do we just want chalk all the time? What's better for the future of the game to see big upsets or to see, uh, you know, a thirteen-year-old kid beating Sky Woodward? I, that's all good, but do you need to? I think there needs to be a certain amount of that needs to be earned. You know, yeah, it's too easy to step in and beat one of the big players you, with that with that break. I, 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 I feel see, I, I'm I one of the people upsets. chasing the big players. You know, I want to see upsets too, but I want to see kids earn it because they've gotten a lot better and they're starting yeah. to get to this level and whatever. Not just well, because. Let me ask you this: Then how do you get to that level if you never have the opportunity to have a chance in a match? Right? If you it. make it, if you make it, if you make it, like we're already seeing Joshua Filler, Jason Shaw, and Alvin Ocean, or we're seeing. We're seeing Joshua Filler, Shane Van Boning, and Alvin Ocean basically win every single tournament, right? So obviously, why aren't they getting upset? At the end of the day, like I, I get the idea of what you guys are saying, but I don't see that these are bad things. Like at the at the end of the day, you have to have a chance to make a run in one of these tournaments, or why are you actually playing? Like you got to be able to support yourself along the way. If you have zero chance, like if we're all four playing in a tournament, and if Mike Pinozo has zero chance to ever upset any of the other three of us, why would not only why would he play, but how can he play? How can he financially support himself to be able to give himself the bullets to get better? But should the game be should the game be geared towards making it easier for the lesser players? And that's just a question. I don't know. Should it yeah. be geared towards or making should it they easier? be pushed or, or should they be pushed to get to a different level? You know, well, the, I'm with you, Nate. I see what you're saying. In the winter break format, right? The the lesser player still has to break and run four, right? And if they and if they don't hold serve, then the better player theoretically is going to come in with winter break. Why why can't that they why can't they take control of the match if they have winter break and the break is that easy? It's still it's still up to you to win the match. I mean, I don't care if the break is that much easier. They're still not going to break and run two, three, four against you because they're not that good of players, right? You're the better player. You should be able to break and run three, four, five with winter break. So if you're yeah. losing, I, I, to, to me, a lot of this comes down to like you had a bad match, your opponent had a good match. And you have sour grapes and you want to blame something that you can point at that makes it not your fault for playing bad. And at the end of the day, like <laughs> if, if, if the break, if the break was, if they were breaking and running four, four, five, six, uh, like let's put it, uh, which is the big upset that you remember? I'm not going to say. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember the guy's name and I should know <laughs> it. Sorry. Okay. So, so going back, can, can you go back to that match and think, did, did they break and run seven? Seven racks against ran, whoever they beat. He ran seven, yeah. He broke he ran, seven. He ran seven, yeah. Luke Garland, and it was against one of the co-brothers. Luke Garland. Oh. Now, Luke's a guy oh, right, from right, the right, UK. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Unbelievably solid player. I think he used to play a bit of snooker and stuff. Really solid player. But he's playing one of the co's. Can't remember which one. The shorter one. Um, now, <laughs> you know, the shorter one. <laughs> Luke being a great player, dipping his toe in the pro game. One of the co's been in the pro game for God knows how long and one God knows how much. You know, do you not think that's too much of a leveler? Luke played great. He played I, I great. You know. I, I absolutely don't because you'll, you'll even see this in golf and tennis every now and then where 
you know, a, a big upset will happen to Serena Williams. And instead of saying, all right, well, now we should make the tennis court smaller because Serena Williams should never lose to an amateur or, you know, the, the golf, the, you know, some. But that's not an option in be- tennis. That's not an option. No, in tennis. Not. For some reason, we've got all these mad options in pool for some reason. <laughs> yeah, there well, are. I can't yes. argue with that. That's well, a very good point, Chris. Well, that's probably because the other sports, they don't they don't look at these things as problems. They celebrate them. Right. They find ways yeah. to make it marketing yeah. genius. Yeah. Right. Well, go back to snooker. Like, uh, what what was that uh, that great snooker player who lost to an amateur uh, and got all pissed off and threw this like temper tantrum on Facebook saying that amateurs shouldn't be allowed to play with the pros? Um, yeah, that was you know, last year. Yeah, yeah, it was it was um, Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy. Yeah, Sean Murphy. Yes. So so instead of snooker being all right, well, let's kick out all the amateurs. They say you're a professional player, act like it. Don't lose yeah. to an amateur, right? Yeah, and honestly, yeah. like I'm looking at the same way with pool. Like if if uh, one of the co-brothers loses to basically an amateur player, we shouldn't, all right, then turn around and change the rules of pool so that the pros have a better chance of winning. We should tell them to get over it and stop losing to amateur players, right? Can I complicate <laughs> this? I'll complicate this even more just really, really quickly. Okay. At the tournaments, the matchroom events you're having, people coming in and racking, people, everyone's spoken about it ad nauseum, but... If you get a bad rack, everybody's relying on that corner ball going in, right? That's the way that break works. Everybody's relying on it. If you get a bad rack, that corner ball doesn't go in. Well, you're not trying to make anything else. You know, it's not like if you're using the, um, you know, if you're using nine on the spot and you're trying to cut the one ball in the middle, you're never going to get a bad rack where it doesn't go in the middle, really, are you? So, you know, the bad rack, you know, the dud rack, whatever you want to call it with, um, with the one on the spot. Is, is massively costly. And I've seen that happen to a few players as well. Yeah. I, you know, what I noticed in this, in, in, in this last event was the, especially in nine ball too, this is a definite factor is that you, you can make balls on a break every time. If, if you can't see the one ball, that whole rack changes. Uh, now you got to go into a defensive mode to start with. And, and now everything is different. I mean, you, you got to get a look at that one ball. What, I mean, that was one of the reasons the U S team lost. How many times did they break? Three, four times, and they only got to look at the one ball one time. Uh, you know, in that in that match. Uh, the, other than that, they were kicking, they were pushing out, or, or uh, you know, trying to play safe off the one ball. Uh, and the Singapore team got a good look at the one ball when they ran that break and run that four. They had a good look at the one every time on those racks. So that's a factor too, and that's a little bit of luck. I mean, when you're randomly racking the balls putting them in different places. It's not like the 10 ball rack where you can break. And if they're all racked in exactly the same spot, you know where they're going to go pretty much. Right. Nate. Uh, I mean, for, yeah, for yeah. the most part, I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, at the end of the day, the, another advantage that the pros are going to have, you know, the top pros that uh, are going to have is they are so good at controlling that one ball off the break. So they're making that wing ball. They're trying to get that one ball, you know, just, just below the side pocket to then go up to the top, mm-hmm. right go off of two cushions and I hang out somewhere in that top right corner uh, or top left-hand corner if they're breaking from the other side. Uh, I, I mean, the amateur players aren't going to be able to hit that rack that good either. So uh, you already have so many advantages to the better player just because how much, how, how much more significantly skilled they are. I, I just, I just don't see why we have to take another thing that gives amateurs any sort of shot against beating these top players and eliminate it. I, I, I don't see how we're not getting enough chalk already that we need to 
add to the rules so that we get more chalk. And Chris, to be honest, coming from you, this is like really surprising because you're in that you're in that second yeah. tier of players or third tier of players that, you know, if you put the match of your life together, you can beat Joshua Filler. Now, are you going to be able to do that if the rack is if the break is even harder for you? But I've got no interest in taking the easy way out in anything. That's not I, I'm for making it all tougher, make the pockets tougher. That's going to suit me, probably not all the others. You know, but if you take if I'm in the third tier of players, make the pockets tighter, I'm going to be cool with that. There's a lot of third tier players that are not going to be cool with that. Make the break harder. I'll wet the break out, you know, just different bits and pieces. I've got no no fear of that. And if there are people in the third tier of players that have got fear of that, then these big events aren't the events for them. Come and play in one a year, but you're probably not going to stomach it for the entire season, is what I'd say. Yeah. So how do you, how do you get from the third tier to the second tier then? Don't you, You're don't only you create hard work? Don't you create this yep. desert between? Don't Keep you going to create this? This well, if if you if you're if you're going to these tournaments and the break is too tough and the pockets are too tight, to the point where you, you literally have zero chance of cashing. Is you make it, it sound like putting the nine on the spot is going to mean nobody can make a ball anymore. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I think you're overemphasizing the difference. They're just trying to they're trying to tweak. They're making the pocket a little smaller. Trying to make trying to make the break a little bit tougher. They're not trying to make it impossible for an amateur to make a ball in a break anymore. They're just making it a little increasing the level to where everybody says, "Okay, this is this is really good pool," and now let's just be consistent and stick with it. That's all. I, that's all I want out of it. So sure. I don't think that I don't think that we're eliminating amateurs from play by moving the nine ball to the spot. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying that either. But what but the point of doing that is to give the better players a bigger advantage who who have that breakdown better than the amateur players. But that's the just, point of that's the point of doing instead it. Instead of You're saying making, I don't think it makes player. the better player better. I think it just makes the game more competitive. Period. You're going to make it's, more better players. It, just, it makes the game it, it increases how, the how level. How does it make it more competitive? By increasing the difficulty of play. So it's going to separate the, the the absolute best players from the players who can't make a ball in the break. You're you're not you're not making it more competitive. You're separating you out into to, different. You want categories. to be one of the best players. You want to make a ball in the break. I mean, I'm, I don't like catering to people who are trying to get to the top. I want to cater to the people who are at the top. And if you want to get there, you're going to have to work your ass off, and you're going to have to show some real special talent because these guys at the top have done that. That's what every sport wants to do. Euro Tour uses this break and it's used it forever, as far as I'm aware. Now the pockets are quite generous, but yeah, right. I can guarantee <laughs> I I can guarantee you there are guys that have won Euro Tours even in the last five years that you've probably never heard of, you know, or ten years definitely. There'll be guys in there. I was talking to a friend the other day in Holland. He told me there was a guy in the Netherlands who I've met once or twice. Told me he'd won two Euro Tours. I didn't know that, you know, but it's there are guys that you've never heard of that can that have won Euro Tours. I believe me. And that's what they use. <clears throat> well, these pockets on this last tournament, uh, what what I did notice was that if you're at a, well, I'll, I'll say a, a, a an eight diamond angle across the table, that's from one corner to the opposite corner, that particular angle or in that area, then the size of the pocket seemed to make a difference. In other words, if you weren't in the center, you're not going to make it. If you touch either the left or right side of that corner pocket, you're not going to make it. But if you're at a uh, almost a straight in angle, if you're over by the rail, the cue ball and the object ball, I, I can't count the times I saw Shane hit that object ball at least two or three inches up the rail on a real easy shot and a right speed, that ball still went in. 
there was I, I'm looking at it going, how did that go in? How did that go in? These pockets are supposed to be so tight. Well, they're only tight at that open angle if you nip that corner of that pocket. And that's the balls I saw missed in the whole event, all the game matches that I watched, the balls I saw missed were never at that straight down the rail angle. They were always at that more uh, uh, diagonal type angle where the pocket's wide, but you don't hit the center of the pocket. Well, not only um, that, it depends whether or not you're taking that shot on day one or whether you're taking that shot on day six. Well, that has, that's a factor, yeah, too. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, well, let, let me ask you this question, Chris and Mike, because you guys kind of push back. Do you think that Shane's comeback against Mika Eminen was it's possible with, with one on the spot or nine on the spot? Um, nine on the spot, breaking winter break. Do you think that comeback is even possible? Well, I, yeah, there's two ways to look at it. If, if it's like that, maybe Mika doesn't have a nine-game lead. So, I mean, it affects both players <laughs> if you're tightening up, right? So, so <laughs> would the, would the comeback that. have been impossible? No. Would he have gotten that big a lead? Probably not. Yeah. You know, I think well, you'd the, have I mean, to have years and years to, Sorry, to, do that. to look at yeah. to answer that question, you know. I mean, that, that lead will still happen, right? I mean, it's still possible for that thing to happen. I, I just don't know that – I don't know that you can put enough together. And I think that's one of the fun parts about the one on the spot for me is that no lead is really safe with winter break one on the spot. Yeah. I, I, I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's, part of the, that's part of the fun of that. Like, it you know, is. You can be up seven to one in a race to nine, and you're never safe. You always have to play. You always have to play tight. You always have yeah, to play absolutely. like every mistake can be your last one. I, I mean, I like the idea. Of, I like the idea of that. How many times did it happen? I did, didn't. Um, am I wrong in saying that Niels was down like seven to two in the World Championships and uh, won like seven straight? FSR as well. He was six nil I mean, down, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was yeah. six zero down. And yeah. that, I mean that. I well, don't look, know. Nate, I, let me ask you this, Nate. Right. If the break is universally agreed as the most important shot and pull, should it not have the highest skill, as high a skill rating as possible, or tariff for that shot? Ding, ding, ding. Ah, <laughs> a good no, question, I, Chris. No, I, I think it's no, a good point. I, I don't. Really I don't agree. Um, no. Is it the is it the, the most important shot and pull? No, I do. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Okay, but but no, that doesn't. Shot you miss is the most important. But I don't. Shot. I don't see how that automatically leads to because it's the hardest, you have to then make it the hardest. But we're not making or, it the hardest. Sorry, you can put it, not, you can sorry, make it harder. The yeah. most important, the most important shot. I, I, I got my words. Just because it's the most important shot, that doesn't then lead to me saying, oh, all right, well, since it's the most important, we have to make it the most difficult as well. I, but should you be guaranteed a ball? From... Should you be guaranteed a ball on the break? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is that the, the, the break dry percentage was 15% for this event. I don't see how that is. Like and of course, I I would like to see the stats with players over let's say seven thirty far yeah. because it's very 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 possible. And I you know if I if I was diligent, I would go back and I would actually look at all these breaks and see you know where the misses came from and all this. But I I just don't just because it's the most important does not mean to me immediately that we have to make it the hardest as well. I see what you're saying, and it's you know it's a nice idea, but I I think if you really sober mindedly look at that, I don't think that you have to say that just because it's the most important. It's um... put weights on now with that James Walton. <laughs> that comment right. was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, well, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, Nate, 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 Tam said it uh, well too. Like, well, if it's if we got to make it harder, why don't we say that you have to bridge your hand off the bottom rail then too? I mean, where does it end up stopping? Because eventually, <laughs> these about players break books. You know, well, I, that I don't care. A- I don't really care where it stops either. But I just want them to do something that that the majority of the top players, say the top sixty-four, can agree. Okay, now this is this is legit tough, and then just do it for the rest of the time. That's, well, I, that's I all I, I want out of this. I don't really care whether it's break from the box, put the nine on the spot, put the orange five on the spot, do whatever you want. But, you know, get it to a point where everybody says, okay, we've got the game. You know, we, we'll all agree right now the game's where we want it, and we're not going to touch it for 10 years. Moratorium. And just go with yeah. it. Just so I can be – just so consistently from one event to another, I'm watching the same freaking game. That's yeah, all I yeah. want. Well. You'd get a good reading I, after 10 years if that was the case. Yeah. And well, this goes to part of the reason why I push back on this so hard when the, the players do this is I have two big points. One, I think it should be as close as possible to the way that the amateurs play the game. Like, and by amateurs, I'm not talking like me and Rob and, you know, ball bangers on a Friday night at their local APA. I'm talking about like the people who literally play pool three times a year and they know the rules of nine ball and they know that you put the nine on the spot and they know, or the one on the spot and they know that they put the nine in the middle. And that's the only thing that they know about the game. If you start changing all that stuff up now, these, now these people who play pool two, three, four times a year are fundamentally not understanding the way that the game is played. And if you get to that point, I think that that's a big potential roadblock to people getting involved with it. Now, you can agree with that or disagree with it. You know, there's there's plenty of debate that can be had on that. I no, think that we should be playing. Go ahead. I think it's a good. I think no. I think it's a good point that you want everybody to be you know playing the same game that you're playing. You want the conditions to be more difficult, like in golf. Everybody's playing the same game at the top level. The conditions are just more difficult. So cool. You'd like everybody to be playing the same game, but conditions more difficult. Um, you know, the other argument to that is though that over time, if you if you change the game to this, and this is what it is with the pros from now till the end of time, eventually the person who learns how to play pool is going to learn that nine balls played with the yeah. nine on the spot. Well, then here's Maybe. what we should do with pool: you just put a great big fan in one corner, and and about every third rack, you just turn it on high. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I think we can play Filipino style. You can't slow roll that ball because the wind will <laughs> blow it off. <laughs> we can throw some chickens and some cats in the arena. You know, build up those uh, those, uh, those, yeah. those barriers. Let's build them up yeah. a little bit higher. Make it the uh, geese and the ducks walking around the golf course. We'll throw some cats and some chickens in there. Let them run around. I think uh, that could be fun. You know, we're, I think we're onto something here. Oh, and then my second point. So my second point, first ball. My first point is that I think we should make it as as close to the the ball bangers Friday night every now and then I think that's, we should make the game as close to that as possible. And then secondly, um, you said one thing that kind of struck home with me, like you're like, if you ask the top 64 players what they want, well, the top 64 answers, (laughs) huh? 64 answers probably well no i to be honest with you i, I think you're, you're going to get a lot of different ones but i think you're, as a general consensus i bet that you would actually get that they want the nine on the spot okay but that's because they think that that's going to advantage them if you take an average poll so if you just take uh 64 or if you just take let's just say you take uh 16 players out of a 512 field or a 256 field you take you take 16 players for, uh, randomly from the UK Open and you ask them 
I I think that you're going to get your your better players want the one on the or the nine on the spot, and and your more average players are going to want the one on the spot. And I think it's I think that's I think you're 100 right, and that's why I think if you you favor those top players and say, okay, let's make the game tough. If you guys think this is the toughest, let's make it that way and go forward. Yeah. You know, you were talking about you want everybody to play the same game. What's the most universally played pool game in the world? Eight ball. They all play by the same rules. Oh no. <laughs> Everybody, you want to get into some right ridiculous there. rule differentiation. So, you're, so again, right I, just, there, I, just, I just, I just, I just want to see the top level play what they consider to be top level pool and top level conditions, and just, and just go with it. Like I said, my main thing is, well, Mike, I got to make a decision and live with it. I got to, I got to push back on you because sure, eight ball is the most, uh, you know, widely played game. But we're not talking about like we're talking about fundamentally the way the game is not only played but understood. It's like that's like taking the eight ball rack and putting the eight, eight ball on the spot, right? We're not talking about a simple rule change within the game, whether it's eight ball last pocket or you can't play caroms off balls without calling it. We're talking about fundamental changes to the game itself. Nobody wants yeah, to put not... the eight ball on the spot, <laughs> right? I've been arguing for that for years. The eight ball on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, <it's, laughs> Jesus. Well, I thought you'd be a little mean, better than that. No, I, I, no, actually, it's a, it's a, it's a good point. Um, but you know, again, it, it, I just can't, I'll just keep going back to it. Just find something. If if you want the the top players to quit bitching, make them all agree to something, then make them sign a paper that says, okay, you guys do this. We'll never, argue, we won't argue about it for 10 years right. and let's go, <laughs> let's go. And then I'm, then I'm happy. Just give me some gotta, consistency. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think nothing everybody's wrong have, with consistency. That's in the rules. Everybody should have to wear a, yeah. Everybody should have to wear a beekeeper's outfit with the uh, ass weights, you know, <laughs> and then we'll find out who the true players are. Earl. Yeah, you go Earl, to an eight ball tournament yeah. here in the States. The first thing you got to ask, well, what rules are we playing by today? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, let's leave that there, I guess. Uh, let's let's move on and talk about uh, – is there anything else we want to talk about for the World Cup? I think we nailed it pretty well. Okay, so let's move on to the uh, Germany Open. Is it possible to beat Kelly Fisher? No. And, no. and, and you know, I said, I think when we were up there, I'll say it again, I, I think that it's she's a she's a, a phenomenal player. Um, but the level of play, particularly because the Asian women are not able to play right now or we're not able to play in Asia or whatever the issue is, the level of play just isn't that high with the women right now. No offense to the ladies, but uh, European players – are a little bit better, but they still don't have a chance against Kelly. The American players have virtually no chance against Kelly. Um, so, you know, she wins as long as she wants to win until the world opens up and, and you know, there's enough tournaments for the Chinese and, and, and Taiwanese and Filipino women players to go play in to, to start pushing her a little bit because yeah. she's just not even really getting pushed now. She got pushed Chris, in the Chris, final of the last event. but uh, Who was who the... Uh the lady from Norway that I watched her play last year here in the States. Lena? And Probably. yeah, Lena. And I, I was, I was very much impressed with her game. But Lena Shorsvik? That's only, that's, huh? Lena Shorsvik? Yeah, that, she was from Norway. I know. Uh, I don't actually know what her last name is. Uh, I, I don't yeah. either, but I yes. don't. Yeah, Shorsvik. 
Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, she's been she's been around for a long time. I mean, she's yeah. she's a great player. But no, I haven't been, seen you know, her lately or anything on any event. She must not go to many. I think she had some health issues. Oh, I'm, I'm I, I I think she did. Because uh, I I thought by watching her up close and personal, I was at the event that she was playing in over here in the states, and I I was really impressed with the way she pocketed balls. No, she's got a great game. Uh, yeah. She's got a great game. You know, a lot of the, I'm not trying to say that women can't make balls. There, there, there are right. a lot of really good players. It's just the drop-off from number one to everyone else is pretty. It's more it significant now than it's been in women's pool in 25 years. Yeah. There's, uh, there's, there's three women's players who I think in the entire world right now that are playing that can compete with Kelly. And it's it's Allison, it is uh, Alul Kabarglu, and it is um, Jasmine. I mean, outside of that, I mean, a girl could take a set off of her. Uh, but I, I, I can't imagine a situation where even as even Jennifer Breda beats her in a, in a, in a match, you know, if it's a long match, you know, the predator series, I, I could see them winning a race to four, but maybe, maybe if you could beat them in a race to four, you can get them in the shootout. But as we just saw Kelly beat a uh, little, was it nine to eight in the, in the shootout? I mean, Kelly yeah. just, Kelly just doesn't miss that much. She's like, it's sick. I am, I am. She was pushed all the way in the final, you know, that's, it's good to see, but Kelly um, is probably, you know, she's a legit professional pool player, right? Sure, a legitimate yeah. professional. Uh, Jasmine is as well, but, you know, I think Jasmine just released a book and then she's on TV like every other week in Austria. Doing like yeah, yeah, she just doesn't and, seem you know, to be like in the game as much now. Kelly is like a legit pool player. She's in the yeah. top 10 on the AZB money list now, which is awesome for the women's game to have anybody up that high, you know, you used Shout to have big predators because they, you know. they wouldn't do this without predators. There's no true. way. It's true. It's right. true. You know, so um, it's good, you know, and she, she really is kind of blazing a trail now. You can't see anyone beating her. I don't know how many more predator events are left before the year, at the end of the year, but she might break the hundred grand barrier, which again would be unbelievable. Easily. Legit, legit, legit winnings in pool hundred K for the year. That's brilliant <laughs> for the women's game. I think yeah, she easily will, right? Because there's still, you know, there's still going to be the Austrian Open. There's still the Michigan Open. There's still um, Canada, the, the Canada, yeah. Puerto Rico. She's playing it at the Ashton Twins Classic this week. Uh, I I could see her adding. I think they already gave her first pr prize, and they're just they're just you know going to the bar. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just going to play out for second place. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, I mean, like, I don't. Well, what is Let's see what is her actual um, money rankings at. Sixty you know k. Sixty k. She's like a hundred dollars behind Albin, so you know she's nearly in ninth ninth place. She'll end up, yeah. She'll end up probably a hundred and thirty. Wow. Is some would probably be my guess. There's still, there's still at there's oh. still at least five Predator events for her to play, and I'm sure she'll win four of them, if yeah. not all of them. Each yeah. one of those is ten thousand yeah. guaranteed. Uh, and you know, you know she's I, I, she's over forty too. I mean, it's not like she's a 28-year-old, 30-year-old hitting her stride. Uh, you know, she, she's over 40. So she's she's in that, you know, back half of her career, and she's she just dominating. And, and to me, again, it's 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 almost to – I'm amazed by her, and I love her to death, but it's disappointing to me that the women's game is not uh, more competitive right now than it is. It'll come. It'll come for sure. You know, when the Asian ladies come back into – some of those events, you know, 
Now, don't get me wrong. Some of the men's events are terrible to watch at the beginning in the early stages. Some <laughs> of the ladies' events, are, you know, they're not great to watch. But legitimately, when some of the Asian ladies come back into the tail end of those predator events or any ladies' event, are going to be as close to top level as you've ever seen from ladies' events, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really anxious to see because I don't know if they're playing in Asia, you know, during this time or not, or whether they're all playing Chinese eight ball or what, what they're doing. What's the Sinning Chen doing right now? What are what are these women playing right now? I, I don't know. I'd love to see them play again. Uh, you know, I, I haven't heard of any kind of like China Open or Amway Cup or anything like that where, where you know, women from the West would be going over to, to, to Asia to play. Uh, I, I'd like to learn a little bit more about it, to be honest with you. Where's Rublin at? Why does she won? She, she played. Philippines? She won in the Sea Games. She won a couple of medals in the Sea Games. Why won't she leave the Philippines? I mean, you want to talk about like, because if you're putting if you're putting her and Kelly up against each other, you're not taking Kelly. She is like a special women's player. Like she might be one of the only women player in the world that can hang with Siming Chen. Uh, outside Rublin, of China, yeah, Rublin's great. Yeah, she's great. And she, like I said, she 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 did really well in the Sea Games, so the Southeast Asian Games. Um, so she's playing and playing well. It just yeah, it's it's unfortunate that uh, uh, that we're not getting more of those pure those those solid international fields. I have to assume that she can't get out of the Philippines because why would you not want to be chasing these ten thousand dollar purses? Yeah, I think there's <laughs> problems with visas getting out of the Philippines at the minute, isn't there? Yeah, I it's think I think easy. Filipino players are a little worried about coming to the U.S. these days in general. Going to Europe, this wasn't coming this, to the U.S. Say, this, yeah, this isn't uh, this like this was Germany, right? Why yeah. why wouldn't yeah why wouldn't she know. chase that? And I, I, I has she ever been to the states? I guess maybe I I don't know. I, I don't remember her ever actually being in the states. Maybe she. Did anybody know? Uh, has she played in the States? That's a really good question. I don't remember ever I being in a tournament that she was at in the States. She might not just like coming over. Who knows? Maybe she doesn't like our food. That's... Maybe she doesn't like us. Maybe it's, it's just possible. You. It could just be you. Well, I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> just... All right, so we're uh, going to have to go with three people the rest of the show. Uh, <laughs> How'd he goes? I've never looked better. <laughs> that joke never gets old, I tell you what. No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. So, I like Greg's uh, comment here. Pool and billiards is one of the few sports you can play at the top level well into the later. Yeah, listen, I'm not short. I'm not short changing Kelly Fisher. Being over 40 doesn't mean you're you got one fit in the grave in, in uh, uh, pool, but um, you know, it gets a little bit tougher to win when younger players are reaching these really high levels. Uh, as you yeah, see, but we're with, seeing with this in all sports. We're seeing this in all sports now. Like, I mean, how how like I'm a huge Rafael Nadal fan. Like, he is my favorite, and I've I've loved nothing more than to watch him beat up on uh, Djokovic for like the last basically six months. Like, it's made me so happy. But yeah. I mean, even if you look at him, he's 39 years old, I believe. Uh, I think Djokovic is 37 or 38. I mean, you're talking about like this is literally dinosaurs when it comes to tennis. I mean, that this yeah, it's, does, that's a real sport on your body to be playing at 40 at that level, especially the way Rafael Nadal plays. But like, <laughs> yeah. you're talking, I mean, you're looking at the basketball. I mean, whatever you want to say about LeBron James, you cannot argue the fact that he's at now 30 again. I think he's 37 or 38 years old and he's still playing as maybe the best player in the world. We're seeing Tiger Woods, you know, Tom he's, Brady. You know, this, yeah, Tom Ronaldo, Brady is a perfect example. Ronaldo's We're seeing all one. of 
Yeah, well, yeah there's all gener- I mean, you're talking, you just pulled out like five generational talents out of there. So, <laughs> That's true. That's true. Is Kelly not a generational talent too? But like, I get what I you're think saying. She but like, is. I just don't know that we're seeing her pushed right now like I'd like to see her push because I'd like to oh, see her. Oh, yeah, game. for sure. You know, at, at its very, very top level, and I and you yeah. can't argue that she's that that the levels below her are anywhere near there they were ten years ago. She'll be ready though when everybody comes back in. She'll be ready. Oh yeah, it'll well, be, this, it'll be something this, worth watching. Does this push her to want to play more of the open events? I mean, doesn't she wants to push herself? I'm sure, right? She plays Possibly. in a lot of them already. Yeah. I mean, she played the UK Open. I mean, she didn't have a great tournament, but I think she lost to. I, I, I don't remember who she lost on the A side, but I think she lost to Tyler Steyer on the B side. Yeah, Mika. Mika and Tyler Steyer. I mean, she lost to Mika on the hill, I think. And I think right. she was unlucky in that rack, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's a great player. She can beat any of the. You wouldn't be surprised to see her beat any of the men. Yeah, well, I think I think Sam kind of nailed it. I think uh, sports science is, um, you know, it's, it's come a long ways and it's allowing you to survive deeper into your career than you could have 30 years ago but all those I generations players, were, players were so much more interesting when they smoked and drank yeah <laughs> I, I mean let's face it alex Higgins, so more animated you know <laughs> mickey mantle you know guys those were those were real right. people yeah they were who's the uh who's the john daly of pool john daly of pool do we I have one? Know. billy <laughs> oh, it might be billy yeah. It might be. <laughs> to be honest, uh, it might be Bill, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you hear some crazy things. Well, there was a comment here about age. And well, are we going to talk about Billy? It's something I can relate to, the age factor in pool, uh, where you really, really notice in a lot of the other sports I've played, like especially bowling. and <laughs> Everybody's uh, just saying, yeah, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Billy. Uh, but there's a cushion player that I played against now this last couple of years who's a national champion, and he's over 77 now and still plays uh, at well over a one average in three-cushion. That's uh, Frankie Torres, uh, a U.S. national champion, four- or five-time national champion, and he's pushing close to 80. Uh, And and I just played him not too long ago, and he's playing great. It's really fun to watch. Uh, Well, let's uh, let's give a little bit of shine to – and I – here, here's the shine. Um, I know the guy, I guess I know very, very loosely the guy who won the men's and I'm blanking on his name now. Demetrius uh, Lucasis. Yeah. He's yeah. Probably, he's, uh, he's, maybe he's like a fourth or fifth best three player, I would say maybe third. Um, what do you uh, think? He's not Alex and I don't know that he's Nico's. Um, no, no. Um, is, is no, he, look, he like a, they had less than a hundred runners in the event, but the guys yeah. turned up there. He's beat Zielinski who's, you know, one of the hottest properties in pool, you know, sure. he's cut up and coming, you know, beating that guy in the final of anything can't diminish that. Uh, I'm not sure how the semis went. I think Lucatus might have beaten Suke in the semis. Um, so semis of so, courses, yeah. maybe um, it's super hard to find out because there's the, the <laughs> you can't find brackets online, and when you can, it's in German, so. Right, yeah. So I think in this, I think it was the semis. Lucatus played Suke, and that went to a shootout. And right, know, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, can't take anything away from him. What he's done, it's great. I saw a video yesterday, maybe today or yesterday. Alex waited at the airport for him. 
Uh, Alex Kazakis waited at the airport for him. Oh, really? Great. Met his, nice. met his friend coming back with his trophy and stuff. So fair play to the guy. Nice little payday, 20K. Yeah, that'll, uh, yeah that'll, great. Good for him. pay for his expenses for the rest of the season, no doubt. Mm. So good on him. That's, it's great to see. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now I got it here. Yeah, it's uh, we got uh, Demetrius. Uh, it beats Victor Zelinski in the finals. Uh, we got uh, Jean Salim and Akdad Ramazan. From Turkey, I've never actually seen that name before. Any? No. Nope. Chris, you um, haven't either. Chan Salim, I've heard of him before. Yeah. Yeah. German, yeah, right? yeah, he's Germany. He spends a lot of time actually uh, around our area in Wisconsin. Yeah. He's got a, a backer. Okay. I think he stays actually either in Beloit or Chicago with uh, one of his stake horses. Um, Sanjin Pelovanovic. I mean, he had. To, I mean, that's actually kind of a, a an unlucky draw for him. He had to play Victor Zelinski in the uh, the quarterfinals. That's I, I would say of this field, that's probably the finals, but they played it in the quarters. Uh, Sufi, Mohammed, uh, Ralph Suquet, Van Vanjan are the, the quarterfinalists, so pretty good. Still, I mean, it's still had a pretty decent field in it. Obviously, they're big, they're losing a lot of players to the World Cup, but how is it that Sanjin Pelovanovic is not in the World Cup of pool? Can somebody explain that to me? Um, how does how does this country not get a bid? They mightn't even have a second player. They might not have a second player in the matchroom rankings. Yeah, that Morocco, didn't, have, Morocco yeah. didn't have one player. Oh well, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's true or not. Is that true? Yeah, I'm not sure what the uh, not sure what the re what the what the reason was for some countries getting picked and some not getting picked. No, Morocco uh, literally had a 575 Fargo on their team or something like that. Yeah, it was below I, 600 Fargo. I don't know if I don't know if both of those guys have played in a matchroom event or not, but in terms of I think what Mike's getting at in terms of coverage having a North African team in there's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just I, you, not sure exactly how they decided what countries to pick and what not. I mean, you know, um but, I think yeah, San, Sanjin would have been an obvious pick, but I mean, you want to talk about like one of the you know he's he's playing some pretty awesome pool right now too. Okay, well let's 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 move on from this. Let's talk about Billy, uh, Mike. I think you're a little bit more plugged into the the finer details of this. You want to give the outline? Well, I mean, you know, I saw something here. Billy's band comes out almost two years later. It was really about nine months about a one yeah, <laughs> not even one, one it was it was yeah, july right fun. last july was the world 10 ball um, um yeah pretty sure no 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 it's been over a year no because i was i was in i was in las vegas and it was definitely not july I think april it was, april I think right? it was april yeah i think it was, it was april. april last year was the world okay yeah. so it was a year um, a little over a year yeah the there's been a lot of discussion about you know wpa did billy wrong wpa because of its affiliation with the IOC, has to follow certain guidelines. At WPA events, there has to be random drug testing. That's overseen by a group called WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency. Um, and that is, if you don't mind, uh, that is, I believe, 25% randomly of the money, right? Is generally uh, how they enforce that. They can, it, they it's different for different sports. Money. I mean, you know, the, the pool came up with, um, uh, a stipulation for its events based on, I think, as much as anything, how much they could afford in testing. You know, there's some sports where, you know, they test a lot more than that. So, um, you know, so they, so what they decided to do was you take, 
you know, when you get down to the final 16 or 32, whatever it is, they do a random pick. And then as soon as that player gets knocked out of the tournament, he has to test, right? So Billy tested positive for THC. Uh, the group that tested him was out of Poland, an, an, uh, an anti-drug, a drug doping company that I'm, I'm assuming WADA uh, has contracts with countries around the world or companies around the world to do the drug testing. And again, WPA likely uses this Polish group because of cost. Who knows? But yes, the, the results have to, the uh, samples go to them. They do all sorts of sports. They suffered through COVID like everyone else. I'm assuming that everything took longer. A year seems a little bit ridiculous. Um, but where, where I'm kind of lost on this is, so now they just came out with the announcement that Billy's punished for three months. And I did ask the president of the WPA, was this kind of a, a short punishment because of what would we would term as time served? And he said, no that three months would be what it would be for uh, something that's not considered performance enhancing, but is still on their banned list, okay? Now, when Billy got tagged last year and it came out that he was positive, word went around immediately from everyone that he was banned for two years. I'm really curious about where this came from because WPA never told Billy that. WADA never told Billy that. So I'm not sure where this came from. And all of a sudden, he couldn't play in matchroom events. As far as I know, he could have played in any event he wanted to until the actual punishment came in. Um, Now, that would have been at his risk because, you know, if you get the call in the middle of an event, you're out. Uh, it's it's obvious, you know, if, if I was matrim, I would have never let him into the Moscone Cup because if the call came in during the middle of the Moscone Cup, that would have screwed that event, right? So, but I go ahead. I came out of the stands and played so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I don't know why he, you know, what who told him he couldn't play in the meantime or if there's a stipulation they can't play in the meantime. What, you know, what I know now is that he's banned until August 31st. Um, you know, three months doesn't seem like that huge a ban, waiting a year to find out. That's something that I think, you know, the WPA should work on some kind of agreement with the players as a group to say, okay, you have to go through this testing and we can't control the testing. We're going to have to pick guys. You're going to have to get tested, but we'll set out some guidelines on what's reasonable. Okay. If a lot of takes more than six months to get back to you, you can play in events until, they come out with punishment. Something they, they've got. They they can do a little better job of of advocating on behalf of their players as well. But you know, the WPA people have nothing to do with WADA's decisions, how long it takes them, anything like that. That's completely out of their hands, um, and they can't cut out WADA because then they're falling out of favor with the IOC. So it's a tough situation. Uh, but I mean, that that's to the best of my knowledge. That's that's how this all went down. Well, I don't think that that absolves them from any of the blame, though, either. So <laughs> absolves who? The WPA, because of it, like you're saying, it's they had nothing to do with the water decision. I mean, uh, you can apply pressure, right? You could you could tell them to hurry up. You you could do things to speed up their process because at the end of the day, 
they're the ones that are going to have to take the the, the public uh, backlash from them not making a decision, right? So I, I get I get what you're saying when it comes down to like WADA has to make the decision, but the buck has to stop with the WPA. No, no yeah, matter I mean, what. They I, have you know, it could be like you know you know when you hire a tradesman for your house, you don't pay them until the work's done. <laughs> They'll get the work done in a hurry. WADA don't make the decision on the ban, though, right? I'm sorry. WADA, they don't make the decision yes. on the ban. Yes. They do make the decision? Yes. They make they 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 come up with the penalty, not the WPA. So the precedent for somebody being caught with THC, it must have happened hundreds of times before. So the precedent. You would assume so. That's a good before. question. I thought yeah. the same thing. It's like, okay, wouldn't we have known this ahead of time that it's probably yeah. like a three month deal instead of a two year yeah. thing? Again, I don't know where all this, you know. Billy got tested positive and he's out for two years. I'm not sure where that started and who who was the benchmark for that. I, I never did find out. Hmm. I don't think it's going to have any bearing what if on he, Billy. What if uh, he was, say, on some pain meds and uh, he had a prescription from a doctor for some pain meds uh, because he has back issues and he, he tests positive for this uh, opiate-based yeah. pain med? And what what would be the difference with that and 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 getting a script like uh, Mr. Walton says here on the uh, in the, in the chat? I don't know. I don't know whether that's a WADA decision or whether that's something the WPA can influence in terms of what what constitutes what. Because I mean, you know, listen, if if they're like if you have a prescription, you can take beta blockers. Forget it. How tough is that for anybody in sports to get a doctor to give them a prescription yeah. for a beta blocker or right. something like that? So. There's, you know, there's, you just open it up way too much when you start, start doing that now. And, and that's what they're supposed to do is look at each of these situations and say, okay, well, this athlete clearly didn't know that this was in this medicine that they were taking because of this prescription, whatever the case is, Mario uh, D, but right? it's, it's, you know, it, it's a fine line. I wouldn't want to be the one trying to make those decisions. I do know that if you have, I know, I do know that if you have a medical card that, Medical marijuana does not affect like you can't get banned for having medical marijuana if you have a yeah. card for it. Therapeutic use sporting exemptions. events. Yeah. In sporting yeah. events. Yeah. Therapeutic yeah. use exemptions. You can get it for all sorts of things. You can get it for testosterone replacement therapy. You can get it for all sorts of things across all yeah. sports. But you do yeah. need to have a yeah, sign. I, I would have to look in a little more what waters require. I mean, there's you can go online oh, I, and get I, all yeah, of your lists of banned substances. Yeah. I know I know a top player who's who has that exemption and regularly uses that and has zero you know ramifications for it. like it, it is a thing i'm not, I'm not like speculating it is it is you no, no, i'm, I'm sure it is i just i'm sure i'm i'm curious as to what the boundaries are yeah, yeah it's, me it's too to say, right yeah. yeah hi chris hello <laughs> good choice of words nate <laughs> I, uh no that's uh I mean, at the end of the day, I think uh, if we can just take a step back and just look at three months, do we think that's enough, not enough, too much? It is. What do you think? No, no, I, think I think that that's fine. What what bothers me is that no one really seems to know what the what this whole year in between was about and whether or not he could have – obviously, he could have played because he played in the World Championship and he played in the UK Open, right? So, you know, it's obvious that he could play – while it, he was still under investigation, quote, um, or at least he went ahead and did it anyways. So I don't know. I'm, I, I really need to find out a little bit more about what the uh, um, 
you know, what the rules are and what you can do. Do you know, Chris? Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but what I would say is as long as there wasn't an email from WADA sitting in a WPA email <laughs> address in, you know, junk email yeah, folder no, for the last year. I asked years. them about that too, and they said that they would that WADA would con WADA contacts the player first, okay. not the association. Because I was curious about the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, he hasn't really done anything. He hasn't. He hasn't done anything terrible. I don't think anybody should think any worse of him for it. Yeah, no, all. he's not you Ben know, Johnson. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not you know fighting people. No, no, can't, uh, can't harm anyone. <laughs> yeah, to me, that's that's a no, bigger I mean, deal than the pot. <laughs> all joking, yeah, all joking aside. I mean, if if he does if he deserves three months for anything, it it. it it's for the the Rob Sias incident. I don't think he deserves anything for this. It's, oh yeah, Rob's thing. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is coming. I've not, I don't smoke weed. Like I, I I have no interest in it. I'm not interested. I I want to drink all the wine in the world. I I have zero interest in Pools. smoking weed. But if the, if you're gonna tell me that smoking Jesus weed God. is like so, listen, pot is is it, this this water encompasses virtually every international sport there is which is played in every country there is, okay? Pot is looked at differently by different sports. It's looked yeah. at differently by different countries. You're throwing an awfully big net around this thing right now, sure. right? So you have to come up with some rules that 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 you can live by for everybody. So, it, I mean, for us in the U.S., for someone smoking too. pot, should they be canceled, kicked out of the tournament? No, obviously not. it's legal not. in 13 states? I mean, well, let me, let me ask you this, Robin. Robin, Robin, Robin about Chris. the whole world. Yeah, Robin. Chris, let, me ask, get killed. let me ask you this, Robin. Chris, uh, what would be the benefits? Is are there benefits to smoking weed while you're competing? Emotional benefits, yeah. Oh God, I completely disagree. I've tried a couple of times, and it is not for me. <laughs> no, I I know players that cannot lift a pool cue up. And Good players. I, they're decent no. players. Yeah, they're seven hundred Fargo's. You know. Okay. And and they they smoke some pot and they can't even shoot a ball in. And then I know some 650 players that can smoke a little pot. They relax, they get calmer. And all of a sudden they're potting balls like a 700. And well, it's like people who, it's like people who always say, I shoot better when I have a couple of drinks or exactly. you know, we exactly. talked about beta. We talked about beta blockers before. Exactly. That was the big thing at the very beginning of the doping thing. There were snooker players who used to, you know, take beta blockers because it calms them down during yeah. a, during an event and right. so you know that's when they started coming up with all these rules and again it's 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 a broad net to try to cover all sports all around the world so you have to come up with these set rules you know pots on the list just get over it get used to it yeah i talked to some old-time uh straight pool players from the old days uh willie moscone days these were players that played with him and i asked them uh what do you do for your nerves because there was no rules back then about drugs or anything else. Uh, back in that day, they didn't test people for drugs uh, back in these national straight pool championships and things. And by and large, the majority of these players said, I have a little half pint in my sports coat pocket. And when I'm Boston not at the Shorty. table, I take a little nip of that. Yeah. Every now well, and there then. was a there was there was a snooker player, and Chris, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy named Bill Rubiniak. Yeah, yeah. Bill. In the old yeah. days, he had a prescription. He, he argued to be able to drink, and he looked just like you right now, Chris. He, he could he could drink beer 
into professional snooker events at the table. And he had pine classes like that, and he would go through a dozen of them in a snooker match, and he he had the okay from his doctor to do it. Yeah, he said he couldn't play without 10 pints, which is just, he couldn't play without having 10 pints first, which is... Yeah, yeah, crazy. after that. Well, that goes, that kind of goes back to, like, the point I was going to make, like, when asking you, you guys what the benefits are, because, like, again, I don't smoke weed, but, like, uh, the people who do tell me exactly what Mike says in the comments, it helps... It helps to settle you down. It helps to relax you. It helps to keep you in the moment. Yeah, it's fine. Line well, though. sure. But that's the exact same reason most people end up drinking, right? Uh, they they want to settle sure. their nerves. They want to, yeah. they want to, they yeah. want to kind of calm themselves down. And, you know, nobody, nobody drinks so that their vision. Yeah, you're crappier, not going to smoke right? a half that's... a bag and play pool. You know, no, that's that's like, it's like you're not going to drink a case of beer and play good pool. Yeah, I mean that's a side effect of you know booze. Is like your your vision kind of goes a little loopy, right? Nobody drinks so that their vision gets crappier. Like you're you're doing it to calm yourself down and settle right. in. So right. you there's no I, I and maybe I'm wrong here, Mike. You can you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But is there a rule that says that you can't carry, you know, literally a flask in your jacket pocket? You're down on the you know the match winning nine ball in the world, yeah, uh, the the world nine ball championships, and you go back and you pull out your flask and take a slam back to calm yourself down. I'd pay, money to, I'd pay money to see rules. that. <laughs> What'd you say, Chris? There's rules in the player agreement yeah. that you sign before each of the matchroom event. There's rules in there. They tell you what you can and cannot do. Now, obviously, it's not exhaustive because you cannot. So, okay, so smoke it's not at the table, but you're definitely not allowed to drink in the arena and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, you cannot drink in the arena. Okay. You okay. can't drink in the arena or at your match, whatever. I can't remember the words. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. But so what I would say. So theoretically, you could take a break in between racks and go, and you can go and drink. You could do, but I mean, if Emily caught you doing that, you're a dead man. I think I don't think that's going to go. Well, down yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's a matchroom thing. It sounds like that's a matchroom rule, and I that's fine. So. Is that the case for the World Ten Ball? So let's switch it to the World Ten Ball. Is is yeah. can can you you know? My only point is is I I think that there's no rule against going back and taking a drink out of a flask to calm yourself down in the moment are we going to argue that alcohol is better for you than than weed so if you're not going to get banned for three months for taking a, a shot of booze uh before know. you know a match or something yeah. like that i just don't the, the idea that you get three months billy gets three months for this i mean and, and again it's like you said it perfectly mike every country looks at this different every tournament looks at this different every sport looks at this differently but i'm of the mindset that weed is whatever Right. It's it's not it's it's not like it's the the 80s where, you know, there's this uh, there's this campaign that says if you smoke weed one time, you're going to eat the face off of children. Right. It's, it's not a big deal. No, your and brain yet, is a fried egg. That was the big one. They showed a pan with an egg frying and then somebody smoking pot. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the times they I are just, changing, I, no. folks. And, yeah, I, and I, I think the game, I and it. I think the game, and the rules, and the game, and the criteria to play, has to change with it. I just think it does. It's you know, it's time to make some changes in that regard. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I. I think the uh, world is changing, and 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 you got to have rules in certain games. Uh, James makes a comment about being an athlete in here before he made a comment that you don't have to be an athlete to play pool. And I'm, I'm going to have to push back with James on that comment uh, because you just ask uh, Jason or ask John Schmidt or Jason Shaw about what the athletic ability there is in running 700 balls or 600 balls in straight pool. 
I guarantee you, you have to be somewhat of an athlete to do that. Uh, that just doesn't happen yeah. because you're a good shot maker. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I would say that um, that's probably a pretty good wrap up for this. Um, we can talk very, very briefly about uh, Tony and Chip and very briefly because I watched none of it. Um, <laughs> I, I watched a little bit of, I guess I shouldn't say none of it. I watched about two racks that uh, Dominic Dunn streamed to Facebook. I didn't buy the stream. Uh, I still like the Omega streams. I think that they do good work, but I, I don't like the commentary and I don't want to torture myself listening to commentary that I don't want to hear for an entire weekend. So I stopped actually buying those streams and I don't know. I still pay attention to them slightly. I think it's interesting that this is the fourth iteration of these two playing in the last year, year and a half, and it's now evened up at two to two. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like they have to have a, a fifth match, but I don't know how you do it. Got to be when... on scratch, right? Just a big, just a big one race to 35 or something off scratch over four days or something. If you're going to have a decider and it's going to be the ultimate decider, you got to, you got to go for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it can't be even of course, cause uh, they just played half, even half nine, eight uh, based off of who breaks the balls. If Tony's breaking the balls, he's giving up nine, eight. If chips breaking the balls, uh, they're playing even. Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't see how you do it. Maybe, maybe if Tony's break, but it's the final score was 27, 25. I mean, how and Chip you... was up after the first day. Chip was up by five or something to... after the first yes, day. Yes, he was. I think it was eight day. to two. I think it was. I think yeah, it might have been eight to two. Okay. I think it might have been eight to two. So, hey, I've got a question for you guys and the fans out there too, for that matter. You know, there there was uh, a hundred. Was it a hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, fifty for that aside. match. Uh, are these players independently wealthy? I mean, do they come from wealthy families? Do they? Just, I mean, I don't have 50. I've been working for 74 years. You're asking how much, of that, you're asking how, much of that, how much of that money came out of Tony's pocket and how much came yeah. out of Chip's pocket? Zero. Yeah, yeah. Not much. Oh, okay. <laughs> zero. Yeah, so yeah, it's, the, it's zero. the promoters of the event then, more or less, that are backers. money. No, it's the backers. It's people who just backers. want to gamble, you know? Just the gamblers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, apparently it dropped from uh, to 60,000. So. I don't know. I maybe uh maybe a big backer on both sides backed out at the last second. Oh. And and is that the case with a lot of these challenge matches around the country now 100%. that are going on with a hundred thousand in the middle that's or fifty thousand in the middle or that's yeah. almost always been the case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean it, I've seen situations where like some people if they're playing for like a thousand or two thousand, something like that, they'll they'll have their own money, but even then, generally speaking. So generally speaking, when you're doing this, when you have a backer, right? Um, if you're in, if you're in bad with them, meaning that you're down, let's say you're down fifty thousand. Uh, most of the backers are. Most of the backers will say you owe me action to get me to even. So they oh. can't even, generally speaking, play unless they're playing on their backers' money so that they could try to get them to even. Now, if you have a good relationship with your backer and you've made them a bunch of money, it's different. Um, I think, but for the most part, if, if you're playing these big matches with a backer, the backers are deciding when you're playing and how much you're playing for usually. And you can't play action. Like even if you're playing like $50 sets at the bar with, you know, some schmoozy, sometimes the backers don't even let them have that action. Yeah. That's fact. So, okay. 
but but that, but like I said, that that comes down completely independently to how you have a relationship with your backers, um, where you're at money wise with them, whether you're up or down money with them, um, and a bunch of other things. But it's for the most part, the backers are the ones making the calls on just about everything, and the players nothing more than a brain and a pool cue. Chris, has, one out of two is not bad. <laughs> excuse me, guys. Chris, has anybody uh, ever approached you uh, at a professional level and said, "Hey, I'll, I want you to play this fellow over here, and I'm going to put up twenty five thousand for you to go and play somebody like"? Has anybody ever approached you like that? No, I don't think there's anybody in the world that hates their money that much. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not what I was getting. At. Yeah, yeah, you sound like a hustler, Chris. I haven't picked up a cue in six months. Yeah, yeah right. I've heard, that, I've heard yeah. that before. I stopped playing a year ago. <laughs> well, uh, I will say, if that ever happens, Chris, and we're in the same room, and somebody comes up to you and says, "I want you to play Nate for uh, twenty-five thousand, uh, you need to lose, and we'll chop him up." I need to lose. Oh. <laughs> well, they're backing you. If you win, there, there you where's go. your money coming from? Oh, I'm so independently wealthy. It's not I own coming a from me. <laughs> I own a podcast. You you do not understand how much money I make doing this. True. I literally, true. I literally, I literally make dozens of dollars a year doing this podcast. He's got dozens. a trunk full of manscape razors. Yeah, I'm still waiting yeah. for a check to come in the mail, and it's been four you years have, for me. Yeah. Keep waiting, buddy. You have no idea. I make dozens of dollars a year. It's insane. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll I'll back anybody that needs some backing. You know, good. <laughs> All right. Well, I, that seems like a really good time to uh, close out the podcast. <laughs> hey, I have one more yeah. question for Chris. Hey, we'll get high because uh, you're the you're the <laughs> professional here on the podcast today. Oh, so, really? uh, have you had a, a lesson in any type of a specific aiming technique in pool or snooker or whatever? No, no, no aiming techniques. No, although I have read through AZ Billiards some of the crazy 200 page threads on there about people talking about aiming systems, and I don't, I don't get it. Um, I tried a little bit of something called Sightright uh, in the UK. I just dipped my toe in that very, very lightly. Okay. But, um, no. I, so you I'm basically look at a spot on the ball that directly goes into the pocket, and uh, that's what you shoot at. I, I'd say that's yeah, probably. You just, you <laughs> I just go autopilot. It's what you do. You just get down and just set your settle your body into the position, right? Yeah, the aiming yeah. systems and things—they're not really in snooker and English eight ball. They're like unheard of. I only heard about aiming systems when I started, you know, reading forums and things for American pool. Even before I started playing, so it's all foreign to me. Okay. Yep. I was just curious. I guess- yeah. The way I look at it is like if you dedicate that much time, you're a, natu- really, you're a natural really, really player, good. self-taught. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, okay. I guess so. Yeah, the way I look at it, if you dedicate like a thousand to five thousand hours to get really, really, really good at CTE, for example, that's that's you know that's a popular one. If you just dedicated that same exact time to doing exactly what everybody else did, I don't know that you have to be in a better place. Right. I mean, you'd, yeah. I mean, how do you you'd have to set up like a, you know, a, a study or something like that, where, you know, 50 people to use CTE only and 50 people use just regular aiming systems. And they all play 5000 hours each. And what's the Fargo rate at the beginning and what's the Fargo rate at the end of all these players? Right. Yeah. To find out. But I, I just don't to me, it doesn't it doesn't seem like if you dedicate 
all of this time into something that's going to tell you where to aim, it still doesn't mean that your arm is going to swing your cue in a way that's going to get it to that right. point. That's true. You know what I think about the aiming systems and what I've seen and the ones that I've fooled around with is it boils down to a simple pre-shot routine. What is yours going to be? Well, whatever works for you <clears throat> is, 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 you know, whatever mindset you need or physical uh, position to the table, what fits your uh, mental structure and physical needs is a pre-shot routine. And that's, and that's what these systems boil down to for me. Okay. Uh, it, it doing the same thing, every shot, sure. whatever it is, it could be anything, but, but at least it's uh, consistent over the course uh, of years for every shot over the course of years. Cause that's yes. you know, where you're going to get your consistency. Apparently uh, we're going to have to see Pinozo versus Mindem. So Pinozo, you ready okay. to, uh, you ready to start our <laughs> drinking competition? Cause I know it's not I, about pool. I just I played a guy say. and, and yeah. We have 20 a cocktail hour. 20 bucks in the middle. Made against oh. Mike. Crap, I'm going to need to get a pack. Uh, Rob, can I borrow some money? I need to uh, want to back me. I'll, I'll I have to four. ask my wife, Nate. Yeah, I'll need at least four backers to come up with that scratch. Yeah, um, yeah. I might need yeah. six. Yeah. Heading to the All BCA right, uh, Expo tomorrow. You going to be out there? Oh, you're heading out there? Yep. No, I was not planning on it, but now that I know that you're going, can I just uh, stow away in your luggage? Sure. Sweet. All meet right. You to... Meet you at General Mitchell in the morning. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks, Bill. It's been great, Bill everybody. Nice thing. Thanks for tuning um, in, folks. Oh, I guess I could say this. These jerseys, we're doing a custom order on these. So if you got if you want to get yourself one of the queue it up jerseys with your uh, you know, your name. Well, this is my sponsor for about another 14 seconds. Um Get the queue it up logo. You can get your last name on the back. You can get some sweet stuff on the sleeves, and it's all sixty-five bucks, completely customized out the door. So, you want to get yourself and, a sweet? And this up is jersey. how Nate makes his living now. Not the podcast. It's selling the. Oh, no, I make. Do you not listen to me when I talk? I make so much money doing the podcast. <laughs> Dozens of dollars a year. So much. <laughs> All right. Uh, so if you want one of these jerseys, reach out to the podcast, reach out to me, reach out to somebody. We'll get you hooked up with uh, some sweet custom gear. So other than that, let's get out of here. Mike's got to go catch a flight. And this was Chris a fun says, one, Mike. Thanks. No yeah, more booze fun. left. Thank you. Good talking to you guys, Chris. Chris needs more booze. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Cheers. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.